It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast at bze.org.au or 3cr.org.au. And don't forget our Twitter hashtag, at bzetechshow. My name's Michael Steinel and I'm joined today by my co-host, Laura Perry. Hi, Michael. Hi, Laura. Twelve months ago, we spoke to Imogen Jubb, who was just then embarking on a new role at BZE as the Zero Carbon Communities National Manager. She has been very busy and the fruits of her efforts are evident in the three new zero-carbon communities that have been established in that time. As we've had so much interest expressed by people wanting to set up their own communities, Imogen joins us today to talk about the program, its future, and the importance of local citizens taking their active part in driving our zero-carbon emissions. Also, Natalie Bucknell, whom we've heard hosting here most weeks and is part of the zero-carbon is, is part of the Zero Carbon Community in Nilambik. Sorry, I'll keep going, trying to say that wrongly. A shire on the northeastern outskirts of Melbourne. So as we did some months ago on the show with EV, we're going to be recursive again today and interview ourselves, with Imogen joining us by phone and Natalie joining us on the other side of the desk here in the studio to share some of the experiences of Clean Energy Nilambik, or CEN, in the Zero Carbon Community process. Hi there, Mike. Hi, listeners. It's, it's a bit strange being sitting on this side of the desk. And hi there, uh, Imogen. Are you able to hear us by phone? Yeah, I can hear you very loud and clear. Thanks for having us on the show today. That's great. We're, we're excited to catch up on where we're at with Community Energy. So firstly, Imogen, if I could start with you, remind us about the Zero Carbon Communities and what BZE's aim is in establishing this program. So, yeah, as you said, I've been working on the Zero Carbon Communities project for about a year. And uh, our aim is to get an ever-growing network of communities around Australia working towards zero carbon emissions. Um, so we've started with just a few communities that we're piloting the process with, um, and it's been going really well. So we're interested now in rolling that out and helping other communities get started. So Sustainability Victoria's recent survey on Victorian attitudes to climate change found that 58% of people want to participate in local community renewable energy initiatives in the next five years, and nearly 90%, 87% to be precise, think that local governments should be taking action. So to both of you, Natalie and Imogen, do you, do you think that's a call for this kind of program? Um, Imogen, from a national perspective? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think communities all around the world really want to see this transformation happen. Um, we know that with the Paris Agreement that communities, you know, the developed world needs to try and get to zero emissions at least by 2050, and leading communities need to do that much faster so, I mean, communities really do want to see a safe climate for themselves, for their kids and for their grandkids. Um, they want to take the steps to enable that. And most of the actions will actually lead to a more rich local economy, um, better well-being and better connected communities. So there's no reason not to get going on the process. And Natalie, yeah, from that- a local perspective? Look, from what 
from the conversations that we've been having in our local area, there's a, an enormous groundswell of, of desire for action on this front. Uh, and that's really backed up by that Sustainability Victoria survey that you mentioned, Mike. I mean, it's not only you know people thinking that local government should act or wanting to do community energy. It's like you know, a, a number of us coming into this experience, we're worried about, you know, encountering climate deniers and, and that's kind of what's the foremost in your mind. But the reality is 80% of Victorians are willing to act on climate change. 82% think their actions can make a difference. And the numbers are, you know, people, seven, more than 70% prefer to buy from businesses who are being active in this area. And, you know, the, the hard work of convincing people is out of the way. And also a lot of the hard work of, of finding out what can be done and, and how to go about it is, is also well underway and, and available. So, you know, really, you know, I feel like in getting into this space now, we're really just acting as a lightning rod to, to bring mm. all that together and, and really catalyse these activities so that, you know, there's so much in this happening in this space and it's really you know t the time is ripe to, to leap on it and do what we can well let's hope your lightning rod isn't a sacrificial anode yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Imogen you've been in the role for a year um, you've got three um, groups going if you could tell us briefly about those and how the role has been what sort of challenges has it evolved over that year yeah so I started this role um, really forming contact with three communities in Victoria so Benalla Borbor and Nilambik, um, and they started conversations with those communities about their interest in this project and whether they wanted to set a zero emissions target um, for stationary energy, so that's sort of electricity use in homes and commercial buildings and gas. Um, and they were all keen, and they were all keen to try and achieve that within a 10-year time frame. So I've been working with them on doing things like baseline reporting, finding out what their actual current emissions are, looking at project options that are relevant to their particular community, um, devising up a simple transition strategy that um, can help shape how to communicate this work and also what, where to put people's efforts in the time available. Um, and now we're looking at community engagement. And so Nilambic, for example, had their first sort of public launch just about a week ago. Mm -hmm. um, and the other communities are looking to do those sorts of um, work as well, like Wednesday this week. Um, Benalla had a business breakfast forum with local businesses to talk about what they could do to reduce emissions. Mm -hmm. um, and Borbor is getting ready to go on that as well. And I guess how it's changed is, uh, so looking from working specifically with these particular communities, I'm now looking at how do we roll this out nationally, so how can communities all around the country engage in this process. We've been also working with Byron Bay, and they've got a really ambitious target of achieving zero emissions, not only in the energy sector, but also in waste, transport, land use and industry as well. Um, so they're probably one of the most ambitious communities globally in what they're trying to achieve. And um, through their efforts, uh, neighbouring shires have gotten interested as well. So there's zero emissions Tweed has formed. There's also zero emissions Noosa. Um, so we're looking, you know, there's, there's, there's communities undertaking this work. We're just trying to figure out how we can get all communities all around Australia engage in this process and what support we can provide to enable that to happen faster and, as, as Natalie said, be a lightning rod to catalyse it all. So um, obviously there's a lot more than the three you're working with and Byron in particular, um, you highlighted, BZD was working with that initially and they've really just taken the ball and run with it themselves, haven't they? 
Byron's got like a volunteer working groups working in all different sectors. The council's really on board. The mayor's um, on the board of the Zero Emissions Byron, and he's also just been elected as a, a representative to ICLE, which is the international group for local government for sustainability. There's lots of community projects in Byron, so uh, Community Energy Mullumbimby and then Australia's first community-owned energy retailer, Anova, as well. Um, so there's lots of different projects going on. There's potential for pumped hydro in Byron, um, so they could do storage. They, there's, you know, in, in every community I've talked to, there's all sorts of different possibilities to enable this transition to go ahead. Mm. Um, Australia's so rich in solar resources. And in some places, we're so rich in wind. And things like looking at transport and waste um, and industry use, there's also amazing opportunities for transformation. For example, BZD has just put out their zero carbon cement report, which could make Australia a world leader in cement production mm. at zero emissions. Considering all of the three communities that BZD are looking after are, uh, have very different landscapes, Nat, can you speak to the specific strategy of um, Nullumbik and how they're going to achieve this? Certainly. So Nullumbik is um, on the outskirts of the um, of the Melbourne metropolitan area. So we've got we straddle you know sort of urban built up area as well as semi rural and rural. So you know we've got quite a, a diverse demographic in that respect. So you know that's one of the considerations. You know another interesting thing for us to achieve. 100% renewable stationary energy is to consider our the large component of stationary energy that's our gas um, supply that's used in a lot of homes and businesses. And, you know, that's an interesting one strategically because it accounts for about 50, um, over 50% of our wow. energy um, consumed, but it's only about 20, it's less than 20% of our greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, in term, and it's also got, you know, different transition issues in terms of, Infrastructure and um, you know capital invested in equipment to electricity just changing over to renewable sources of electricity. So that's some of the things that we're grappling with. We've we've taken an approach of thirds in attempting to cut our emissions. What so, do you mean by that? Yeah, so we're um, targeting cutting a third of our emissions through efficiency measures. So just reducing use, a third through behind the meter. Renewable energy, which is primarily solar PV on people's, you know, on residential rooftops or business rooftops, and a third through utility scale renewable energy like solar farms, things like that. And when is the target for? For 2028. That's the the big, hairy, audacious goal. Mm, yes. Sure. <laughs> and so, Natalie, what is BZD's role um, in this whole change? So, as as Imogen outlined. I guess the council was already quite active in this area in terms of their own operations and, and getting a lot of renewable energy underway for council operations. So Imogen came along and, and tapped into that and to other community initiatives in the environmental space and in climate space and brought these people together you know, to talk about this goal and to establish the group and then provided a lot of pr practical support along the way, as she mentioned, in terms of supporting us in developing our strategy, facilitating workshops, you know, working a lot behind the scenes on process, 
um, and as well as linking us in with other resources. And there's a lot of resources in this space and um, Imogen's been really instrumental in you know, bringing those together for us and, and making us aware of resourcing and, and funding and information sources. So Natalie, you mentioned council in there. What role would they play? Don't they often just get in the way? And so why are you talking to council? Look, council, I think, are really critical in in this space, um, in the local community space. So, on on a number of levels, you know, one is they've got a lot of experience and, and information, um, particularly you know, Nilambic um, council, as I mentioned, have have really worked hard in this area in the past. Um, they've also you know lend legitimacy to you know, to the activity if we're you know talking to distributors and funding bodies, then you know, we can work together and, and gain from their experience in that space as well. And community engagement is obviously a really critical part and, you know, they already have a lot of connections and activities in that space and that we can work together on. So, you know, I think, you know, it's really important and, you know, that this kind of community initiative can do a lot for council as well. So mm-hmm. So other communities that might be looking to um, move in this direction uh, before BZE comes along when it's just one individual person or a group of people, um, what kind of experience did your community have um, from that get-go point? I I guess, you know, the really heartening thing about it is, you know, all all the things that come together once once a few people put their hands up and say, you know, we want to do something about this. And um, the opportunities for collaboration with, um, you know, with other groups. You know, we've we've been in contact with a number of other community initiatives around the country, and they're always people, you know, just really keen in this space to help make it happen in other places in Australia and the world. And so it's really exciting space in terms of the collaboration and encouragement, you know, that you get between groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, we've just found, you know, there's sort of this knock-on effect, like Imogen mentioned, um, because in Nilambic we, we're talking about this and, and working on things, then, you know, people who are on the edges of Nilambic are sort of saying, hey, what's going on here? Oh, we'd like to get, you know, have something like this in our municipality as well. And just on the other side of the coin, what have been the major challenges in the initial stages of this? Yes. Well, you know, there's always kind of highs and lows and, you know, a few ups and downs along the way. So, you know, I guess sitting with the uncertainty is is always, you know, just a challenge, but it, it pays off. Like, you, you know, it's important to sort of what there's always a process to work through and you're know, getting people together you've, you've got a bunch of volunteers who've got a bunch of other demands on their time but it's really exciting then to see the, the synergy that you can get by you know people with this range of different skills and experiences coming together and you know seizing opportunities then once once they arise just by you know being active in the space and being ready when the opportunities come you're listening to the beyond zero emissions climate solutions show and we're talking to Imogen Jubb from Beyond Zero Emissions on the Zero Carbon Communities Project she manages, and Natalie Bucknell, normally one of our hosts, about the experiences of CEN, the climate, uh, Clean Energy Nillenburg, as a particular example of going through this process. Imogen, if we could come back to you and on this, continuing on this challenges theme, what challenges have the other groups encountered? I think um, good governance is really important. It really helps um, ensure that communities put their efforts in the right place at the right time. Um, so when groups are forming, I think it's really important to spend a little bit of time of thinking about how decisions are going to be made, who's going to have capacity to make those decisions, how 
you're going to interact with other groups. And do you um, help them with that? So, yeah, we've provided a guide to set up a zero-carbon community, um, which is available online on our website, and we provide um, some resources on community engagement and also governance for communities. Um, and there are lots and lots of resources out there that, you know, aren't BZEs, but, you know, there's, there's all sorts of great, um, great resources that communities can tap into who, who are part of not-for-profit um, groups. Um, I think another challenge is um, volunteer capacity. So council workers and you know community leaders are often really overworked people, and so making sure that they've got the time and energy to put projects like this is, is critical. Um, and also um, making sure there's some quick wins along the way. I think um, a project like this is inevitably very challenging, and it's very complicated. Um, there's lots of different things at play, including really fast technology change, really fast economic change, um, and so making sure that communities feel motivated um, even when things get difficult is also important. Mm. Is, is there a point where uh, Beyond Zero Emission steps back and says, all right, community, you've got this under control now? Well, yeah, ideally with the three communities in Victoria, I think you know most of them are up and running and probably don't need our support quite as much as we did at the start. You're pushing um, them out of the nest, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. And I mean, it see that he's not going to ever have capacity to help support, you know, more than 500 councils around Australia mm. with that kind of, you know, meeting every every six weeks or so. Mm. Um, so one of the ways we're looking at is how can communities support each other. So, for example, how could Neil and Bix partner with neighbouring communities around them to provide them a, with a bit of support? How can... Um, how can we support communities remotely because we want to see this happen all across Australia. So we're working that out at the moment. Um, and how can one of, one of the big questions I've got is how can communities actually get the capital required to make this kind of transformation? Um, but also how can communities catch the cost savings that eventuate as you know their emissions go down and their cost savings go down? On, um, so ideally I'd like to see this form as a kind of a, a community-funded process where the more initiatives they take to re- reduce emissions, the more seed funds they'll have to enable the next project to go along. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a whole um, other piece of work we're trying to figure out. Um, and it's also really interesting seeing how that's evolving. Yeah, because... Um, um, sorry. And I was also going to talk about your point about councils... Um, and how critical they are to be involved as well. Um, we did a local government review of councils and their emissions targets about 18 months ago, and we're actually doing another one at the moment. And in Australia, a lot of councils have council-specific targets to reduce their emissions that haven't got community-wide um, targets. And it's great that councils are taking the lead on this, but unless communities are part of that process, we're never going to achieve that zero emissions goal that we really need to get to to keep our climate safe. So... I think BZD's role in this is to help catalyse community efforts and get them to partner with councils on what they're trying to achieve. Hmm. So in this um, expanding role then, how do other councils or other communities register their interest and what sort of process will they go through? So we've just launched a registration page this morning. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the BZD website, you can um, follow through to a... Zero Carbon Communities registration page, and we're just putting a 
call out to find out what interest there is out there. So if your community or your council is interested in taking part in a project like this, we'd really love to hear about it and then we can figure out how to use the resources we've got to support all the communities that are interested. So, yeah, check out, jump on our website, put your details in. We're at the moment asking for the name of the council, ideally the name of a person within council as a contact and also name of the person within community as a contact. Because we really want to form those hubs between council and community mm-hmm. that are working together. Once someone signs up um, or registers, what's the process that they'll then go through to get to, say, the stage of um, Byron or CEN? So we'll be in touch um, and just to, just to find out where they're at and what situation they're at, what they think is viable, which sectors they're interested in reducing their emissions in. And, um, and then we'll... We, we really need to build more resources because we can't support communities all around the country unless we have more resources. So please donate to our cause as well. But as as resources come in, we'll be able to distribute them according to the numbers of communities who are interested. So we're also building up volunteer capacity to be able to support communities as well. So, for example, we're interested in training up people who can do baseline reporting for communities um, and also enable key volunteers who've got specific skills to help communities along the way. So, for example, when a community is ready to look at what project options might be relevant to their community, we might be able to have volunteers who can help um, facilitate that process. Or when they're ready to look at business cases, we might have volunteers who are ready to help um, like get communities through that complicated um, piece of work. So that's kind of the two-pronged approach we've got. How many communities can we get interested in? How many volunteers can we get interested in support those communities? Will enable us to do this without with, with limited resources. Mm. Just want to go back to talking about um, the three communities that are up and going. Uh, can you identify some of the milestones that uh, Byron has gone through so far? They've got uh, teams of volunteers who are providing resources for each specific, specific sector. BZD is actually just done a piece of work to review all of those um, project ideas and to prioritise them in terms of which will be most cost-effective and which will be most effective at reducing emissions. And so they've got that and are looking at how... Again, they're looking at how do they get resources to fund um, particular projects. Um, and there are small investment groups who are really interested in this process as well. And I think that's actually probably another interesting... Uh, an interesting emerging piece of work is... Um, there's more and more interest from the investment community to enable emissions reduction projects, but how do we enable that to work at a community scale? Because often the community projects are too small for large investment organisations, so mm-hmm. we might need to think about aggregating them at a regional level, for example, and then that pools enough. You know, they're, they're big enough projects that they're big investors are interested in supporting them. That, that's right. So I, I remember... Yeah, we're... Sorry to interrupt you there, Imogen, but I remember um, just uh, earlier in the year doing a, a demonstration at one of the major super funds trying to get them to divest, and the investment manager for the whole fund came out and talked to us, and he said, find me some big enough projects that I can invest in. He was just crying out for renewable projects to invest in, but it's got to be a meaningful amount. So, yeah. Um, so we're interested in getting communities to form regional groups. So, you know, you might have five or six or seven or eight zero-carbon communities we can then pull together and at council scale figure out what are the big utility-scale projects that they can invest in mm. across that region, which would draw those um, those fund managers to provide support. On a, on a sort of related topic, um, 
that we interviewed about a year ago Alison Crook from Anova up at, um, just south of Byron where they wanted to do a community energy project and, and actually realised the best way to do it was set up a, a become a retailer effectively and go through all the, the hoops to do that. It, is that relevant to you? They, they were very keen to share their IP and help other people out. Um, is is that coming into your community projects at all, using Anova? Um, I haven't talked to them about that specifically. I think they're probably focused on the local region at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're just launching a uh, crowdfunder. Um, so they've asked local in, local people to invest in their work. So if you're interested, you could jump on and check that out. I, I think it's a really interesting model that would be great to replicate in other places. I think the communities I've been working with aren't at that stage yet, but they might get there. Um, so, yeah, there's so many interesting models for community ownership of energy and I think also things like transport and waste that would be great to explore um, that really do bring benefits back to the community. Okay, we've got less than a couple of minutes left. Can you take us to the, the global context and um, the compact of mayors and local citizens around the world advocating for change? Yeah, so this... this community approach isn't unique to Australia. It's happening all around the, the, the globe. Um, the Compact of Mayors is a great example where I think there's now over 7,000 mayors who have committed to reducing emissions in their own municipalities. Um, and that's a great program that has quite specific um, steps to follow. And I'd encourage communities around Australia to engage in that process as well. I think the problem with that is that unless the actual mayor and the council is supportive of it, it doesn't enable the community to get started. So I guess this project can be seeded in community um, and won't be influenced by things like uh, changes to councillors in local government. The, there are other resources as well, like the 100% RE campaign or Renewable Energy Campaign, which is supporting and promoting towns and cities that set 100% um, emissions reduction targets in energy, um, and they've got great resources as well, and great stories of you know places that have already achieved this goal. So you know it's, it's not something that is impossible. People have already got there, so we can get there too. All right. Well, that's um, runners out of time now. So thank you so much. We've been speaking to Imogen Jubb from Beyond Zero Emissions about the Zero Carbon Communities Program that she coordinates, and to Natalie Bucknell, um, one of our normal weekly hosts from Clean Energy Nillenbuck about a particular example locally on that. Thank you both, Imogen and Natalie. Thank you. Thanks very much for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a really, really pleasure to hear how things are, how well this is going. A Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to listen to this show or any of the others that we've done, please go to bze.org.au and click on the podcast. Both 3CR and Beyond Zero Emissions are nearly 90% volunteers, but it still costs thousands a year to keep this program on the air. So if you can donate at all, even $5 is really welcome. Thanks so much and talk to you again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.